0: And so let's have a discussion tonight on the reality of hell, why it is in Scripture, why it's there, what is its function. It seems like a loving God wouldn't want to send anybody to hell, so why is it there? If we eliminate hell, then uh, that would make things a lot easier if there was no hell. But then, of course, if there was no hell, then there wouldn't be a need for a cross. And if there's no need for a cross, we don't need a Savior, If we don't need a savior, Jesus is just a nice guy teaching us moral attributes, isn't he? And you can see how this thing progresses, or I should say digresses, away from true Christianity. Any of the foundational doctrines of the church that are attacked are going to weaken the faith of the church, and that's where we're at. Many Christians don't like the doctrine of hell. I I don't like the concept either. But it is essential to the holiness of God. Could you imagine a holy and righteous judge? who does not bring judgment to what is wrong. And so we need to take a look at this tonight. Let me share with you a few quotes of some progressive Christians. Jesus certainly did not lay the foundation for an afterlife theology that claims all non-Christians go to hell. This has become a common way of thinking about heaven and hell. Christians go to heaven, non-Christians go to hell. But it is not based on anything Jesus ever said that's a christian pastor saying that Jesus spoke of hell more than any other biblical person more than any other prophet any other quotes about hell come from Jesus Christ so this man how, how let me ask you this how how can you eliminate Jesus not saying this the, the next quote is Jesus Tells us to love our enemies, but this cultural God sure doesn't. Jesus tells us to forgive 70 times seven, but this God doesn't. Instead, this God burns people for all eternity. I mean, if we're supposed to forgive and we can forgive, how come God can't forgive? And to consider that Jesus never even mentioned hell, how what do you do with this? Luke 12.5, but I will warn you whom to fear, fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. I tell you, fear him. Sounds like Jesus is preaching on hell to me. How did they get away with saying that That Jesus never mentioned hell or didn't teach hell? Think about it. How can we eliminate that coming from the lips of Jesus. Anybody got an idea? (laughs) Do away with Scripture. In other words, the Scriptures that say Jesus spoke about hell were added. That wasn't Jesus. That's not the Jesus we know. The Jesus Seminar has eliminated all the statements of hell and condemnation from Jesus because Jesus is a loving guy. Therefore, if we say he didn't say it, Then he didn't say it. Isn't that something? So, I mean, that's ridiculous. So you have to start cutting out and piecemealing Scripture and eliminating these things. Therefore, with confidence, you can say, Jesus never said that. Well, it says it right here. No, that's not him saying it. Someone else put that in his mouth. Prove it. We've got the Scripture. We've got the testimony of the apostolic church and the apostles' doctrine. It's all here. We have the true witnesses of him who said it. In fact, Richard Bachman says this, Until the 19th century, every, almost every Christian theologian taught the reality of eternal torment in hell. Eternal punishment was firmly asserted in official creeds and confessions of the churches. It wasn't until the 19th century or the 1800s when liberal theology came and they started cutting out pieces of Scripture that they didn't like, saying Jesus didn't say that, that they began to distort Christianity. And now we have many churches that no longer teach hell. Because if God asks us to forgive other people, He certainly should. And why would God just burn people up on a barbecue forever? kind of god is this at least he should annihilate them but that is not a doctrine of scripture and we've got to understand why if we're going to defend the faith we really need to understand this concept of hell so let's take a look at what the new testament says about hell the new testament says that hell and the the scriptural references are on your outline Scripture says that hell is a fiery lake of burning sulfur, or a fiery lake of burning sulfur and fire. It's an everlasting destruction. So how long would that be for? Yeah, I guess that's, yeah. It's a banishment from the Lord, a separation from God. You know, on the earth right now, we have what's called a common grace. Everybody lives under the grace of God, sinner or righteous person. Everybody benefits from it. The sun shines upon the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the fields of the just and the unjust. That's a common grace of God. What you sow, you reap. And so, even if you're a vile, horrible sinner, you can benefit from this life with beauty and joy and love and money and finance and anything else that you have, because that's the common grace for all. But could you imagine, after you leave this planet through death, being separated from any grace or any attribute of God himself, could you imagine what is the, op, what is the absence of light? Darkness right i said light <laughs> what what is the absence of joy so think of everything that god is and eliminate it because if you don't want god he will give you what you want and so it is punishment of an eternal this is what Jesus said, and Jesus, again, is the one who spoke more about hell than anyone else. Why, why would Jesus speak about hell more than anyone else? To warning. Why? He was the one who came to what? Save people from hell. God so loved the world. Let's look at Jesus' description of hell. Number one, it is an eternal punishment. It seems to come up a lot. A blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place where the fire never goes out. A place where the worm never dies and the fire is not quenched. It's also called outer darkness. Now, hell is described in this fashion through metaphors. Um, It talks about a worm never dying. You know, I don't know if there's literal worms in hell. And is there literal fire in hell? If if it says fire or sulfur, yet it's outer darkness. How can you have fire and darkness? Right? There's this sulfur, there's this burning, but yet it's in complete darkness. It's not for illumination. So I don't know, you know, these are things in the spirit realm that are being described in the physical realm. So they may be literal flames in literal darkness with literal worms. You see some old uh, medieval paintings of Bosch or Bruegel or some of the other painters that painted hell, Dante's... Uh, uh, inferno Inferno, I mean the levels of hell and the torture and the torment they really got into trying to figure that out that's kind of scary and and that was sometimes the mode by which they got people saved but you know what sometimes you need to tell people the reality of what eternal life is because we keep trying to make it flowery and we got to let people know they're in danger of eternal hell and damnation And this, how many of you know that most of us would be mocked tonight if we believed that in a literal hell? The world, and in fact many Christians, would mock us for such a concept. But there's nothing here to be ashamed of or to be mocked at. This is reality. If we use human words in physical ways to explain something so beyond the realm of the physical, it must be Horrible and excruciating. Again, we can't understand this concept because you and I have no idea what it's like to be separated from God. Nor does anyone who has ever lived know what it's like to be separated from God because again, they are in God's creation on this planet. And they are receiving God's blessings. So no one can understand what it means to be separated from God. One man understood it. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a glimpse into a sense of separation. So where did hell come from? Why did it start? Why would God create a hell? Because he likes smushing people. (laughs) You worm. No, what do we know about where hell came from? Anybody got a guess? A what? A place for Satan. Satan. Matthew 25, 41. He will say to those on his left, he's separating the sheep from the goats, and he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay? So this was not supposed to be our place this was created for fallen angels again i'll go back to the description eternal fire it's never quenched it's a burning let's examine this a little bit what is the uh what is the makeup of the devil and his angels are they they say that they're spirit beings. Are they eternal? Do they, have, do they age? Do they get older? Do they get younger? Do they... So they're eternal spirit beings. So if they are eternal and there's going to be a time where they need to be locked up or put away, you have to prepare a place, a prison, a holding tank, something to keep them away from God's intentions. And God will do it justly, fairly, that all the devil and his angels, by the justice of God, will be locked up. Does that sound fair to you? All right, this deceiver, this one who brought death into all of creation and ruined everything. So it has to be eternal, doesn't it? Because the beings that are being put in it are eternal. Now, I don't know what it is about fire, but the description of fire seems to be something that contains spirits from escaping. I'm guessing. Doesn't that seem to be it? I mean, he keeps explaining it as an eternal fire, an eternal fire and sulfur. So there must be something in this hellish fire, whatever it is, Is it the same fire that we have? I don't know. But there's something about this fire that when the devil and his angels are going to be put into it, they cannot escape. I don't know about you, but I'm pleased about that. I really am. Once he's gone, I want him gone. And every demonic being deserves to be in that place eternally. They will not die because they're eternal beings. So this place prepared for them is an eternal place. Now what God is saying is because people have followed the devil and have rebelled against God and have a fallen nature, they too will be put into that containment center. That would mean that people are eternal. We believe as Christians that people have an eternal soul. We were made in God's image, we have an eternal soul. Now our physical bodies age, but that's because of death and sin. Eliminate death and sin, and we were meant to live forever. But if you eliminate that, what what would be a doctrine to eliminate the idea that man's an eternal soul? What human doctrine, what, what human theory... Yeah and is and what's a social theory a scientific theory that everybody believes so that we can get rid of this eternality evolution so if we evolved from animals you live you die that's it then we can get rid of us being eternal beings then we can get rid of hell okay so most of the population doesn't believe in hell they believe that that was just the church's way to make people behave scare tactic But what if it's true? And what if evolution is not true? Then we need to warn somebody. Because there is a place of eternal punishment for eternal souls and spirits that will go be contained there. Part of the problem in understanding hell is in our Bibles, there are three different places called hell in English. So let me help you understand that. In Hebrew, the place where departed souls went to is the grave, or in Hebrew it's called shoal. It's a holding tank. Shoal was a place before Jesus went to heaven, shoal had an upper compartment and a lower compartment. Jesus tells us this in the Gospel of Luke in the story of Lazarus and the rich man. He doesn't say it's a parable. He tells us a story of Lazarus and a rich man, and they die. And all of a sudden, their roles get reversed, don't they? Lazarus was a beggar. The rich man had everything he needed. People really extolled the, the virtue of rich people in that time. They thought they were blessed of God. But then they die, and they end up in Sheol, or the grave, or what is also translated as hell, and there was a difference. Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom, an upper part that was a holding tank, and then the lower part where there was torment, and the rich man said, I got to get out of here, you got to let me tell somebody something, and I just need a drop of water, it wasn't a pleasant place. But that's not the final hell. That is just until the end. So, right now, once Jesus died and rose from the dead, he took those who were captive in the upper part of Sheol and took them into the presence of the Father because now there's a blood sacrifice for their sin. That's why he could tell the man on the cross, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Paradise was the upper place of Sheol. And then in Ephesians it said, He led captivity captive and ascended to the Father. So now to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So now we are able to be in the presence of God by our soul and spirit, and the rest of everybody's in shool their soul and spirit, if they have not been washed by the blood, and waiting the judgment of God. There's also another place called hell, that's found in 2 Peter and found in the book of Jude, but that place is called Tartarus we talked about that Tartarus is the place where those angels in Genesis chapter 6 left the place of heaven and cohabitated with women and created the Nephilim and God judged them through the flood and sent those fallen angels into the pit or Tartarus that's another word for hell That pit will be opened at the end of time, the book of Revelation says that, and Abaddon will be released, and these demonics will come forth. None of this is the hell that Jesus spoke of. Jesus spoke of hell with the word Gehenna, which we know as the lake of fire. Did you know when Jesus referred to hell, he was referring to, when he said hell, he used the Hebrew word Gehenna, which was literally a valley on the side of Jerusalem. It was the valley of Tophet. It was the valley where the Israelites used to sacrifice their children to Molech. God cursed that valley. It became the valley where after they would offer sacrifice to God they would throw the burning carcasses of those sacrifices over the wall into the valley of Gehenna so when Jesus said fear not the one who can kill your body but fear the one who can kill your body and soul in Gehenna he was pointing to the valley right over the hill where they could look and see that there are burning carcasses that are continually burning and worms and maggots crawling all over the place There's the figurative language for Gehenna. But what is this Gehenna? It is the lake of fire where Sheol and the grave will be thrown into that lake of fire. The devil and his angels will be thrown into that lake of fire. And all who are not of Christ will be thrown into that fire. That lake of fire is the final entombment of eternal beings Under lock and key. Now we have to understand something. It sounds terrible that there would be people going to hell eternally. But here's the key. Sin has already been judged. The reason someone goes to hell is because they are fallen and they are evil in nature. Do you know that everybody who doesn't know Christ and is born of the Spirit of God, they all may seem to be very nice people, but they are self-centered. Put a self-centered person into eternity, and guess what will happen? They will become the most diabolical evil there could be. Why? Because if you separate them from the restraining power of God's goodness and grace, their evil will just perpetuate. So the nicest, sweetest, little old lady, the most admirable Buddhist monk, or the most nicest, kindest person you can see that is not regenerated and living towards God in holiness, given eternity, will become the most foul, evil creature there ever could be. And so hell is a place, not because you sinned, but because in your nature you are evil, you must be contained. Remember, sin was dealt with at the cross. But if you don't have sin removed, and if you don't get out of this carnal evil nature and get born again, there is no other place that God can put you. Or else you will become the epitome of all evil in an eternal state. Does this make sense to you? And so it's a containment center for that which is evil. So what we can conclude is hell is eternal. It has to be eternal because we're dealing with eternal beings. Angels and people, humans, are eternal souls. If they are not born into righteousness through Christ, they will live eternally evil which will develop into a diabolical, self-centered, evil creature. Can you imagine a universe where everyone in it is evil? And so God must contain them in an eternal containment center. People are conscious. God doesn't knock them unconscious. They are aware. They were made to be conscious. And as Jesus told us of Lazarus and the rich man, he recognized Lazarus, He recognized that he had family left. He recognized God. He spoke of his condition and his situation. They're fully aware. And it is full of torment. Why? Why, God, would you torment them? That's the key we all get messed up on. God is not tormenting them. What is tormenting them is the absence of God. It is the absence of God that brings the torment to them. The gnashing of teeth that is referred to here, when you look up in Scripture, the references to gnashing of teeth in Job and Lamentations and Psalms, the word for gnashing of teeth is not in the sense of suffering. The word for gnashing of teeth is in the sense of anger, profane mocking, and defiance. That those who are in hell will raise their fist against God, gnashing their teeth against Him. It's not a sense of repentance. It's not a sense of, I hate my condition. It's a sense of, I hate God and everything about Him. The torment is that they were wrong about God and God gave them what they wanted. Another false conclusion about this is that the devil's in charge of hell. Like he stokes the fires and he's got all his demons shoveling coal and he's standing there. No, 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 no. The devil in the book of Revelation 20 will be thrown into the lake of fire. He does not control hell. Jesus didn't go, um, when Jesus died, he didn't descend into hell after three days to take the keys away from Satan. Satan. There's nowhere in Scripture. It's not like the devil held keys to the gates of hell. Not at all. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's, you know, he wasn't walking around hell. All right? Jesus went into hell to proclaim, to declare who he was to those in Noah's time and those before. So Satan is not in control of hell. Satan knows his fate will be eternal punishment in hell. And so finally, it is a containment center for all evil. It is complete justice. It is the only way to curtail all eternal evil beings. Sin is dealt with once and for all and contained in eternity. Here's the good news. There is a way of escape from hell and eternal punishment. We all deserve hell. Because we are all fallen in our nature and opposed to God. Isn't it interesting that when things happen that are bad, we begin gnashing our teeth at God. It's His fault. That's the attitude of hell. But we've had our eyes opened up to our condition and the need for a Savior and an exchange of our condition. That God took us out of Adam putting our sin upon Jesus Christ and giving us new life in Jesus, birthing us in righteousness. He took our judgment and now we are creatures eternally. We now have eternal life that is holy and pure. God so loved the world. There is a hell. That's why Jesus kept preaching it. He so loved the world that he came to give his life that whosoever would believe in him should not perish in hell, but have eternal life with God in heaven. Those who do not believe, John 17 goes on and says, 317, are condemned already. What are we to do with this information, brothers and sisters? What are we to do with it? We have got to get out there and preach the gospel. The church has eliminated hell because we can't get people to come in. So let's get rid of it. And save them from what? We need to let people know their eternal condition. And don't worry about what their philosophy is, what their science is, what their belief is. It's the Holy Spirit that is going to grab each heart. You just preach it. Don't worry if they reject you. Reject your word. You got saved. Preach it. It will cut through their intellect. It will cut through all their arguments. And they can't escape the truth of God's word. They know. Children know that they are eternal beings. They know there's a God. And so we must preach that Jesus saves people from hell. Amen?